going into my basketball. Every time I rock, man, this is how we rap around. Peace to my man. Now we got the camera out. Every time I spit it, cross over the all right, hello everyone. This is Josh, also known as Yashu, and you're tuning into the 44th episode of the TLOI Talks podcast. You will definitely see it like everywhere, like when it's like all streaming to YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, much more. And you know, let's get it started uh, right now. Uh, we actually have uh, one of the dopest artists to come out of like Ottawa right now. He has released like over like 40 plus singles in uh, one year, and that's like a very uh, well known fact. Um, He'll be doing his annual like Ottawa concert uh, sometime uh, later uh, within the year that he he usually does like every other year too. He'll be uh, doing a meet and greet uh, in the next uh, day after uh, this podcast as well too. Um, I know like it might be a little bit, a little bit too late on that, but like you know definitely uh, check it out if you see like B roll and all that and like he's been consistent with like a lot of events, performances, and much more too. We have Ottawa's own NLN in the building today. How are you uh, doing today, man? I'm doing great. That was a that was a hefty intro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I appreciate it, bro. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Now, like we conversated like earlier before too on like everything about it, like with music, with with other stuff uh, too, like you know, like with the whole like Ottawa scene and all that. And you know, it's actually uh, pretty interesting uh, right now too. Like, there's like a lot of like dope stuff uh, coming out like in the city uh, right now with um, the Cloud, City Fidelia, my guy Yuso. Uh, the whole all uh, Cappy uh, our, like uh, album and all that that's coming up with like Ottawa and Toronto artists too and like a whole lot of stuff uh, right now you know so hell yeah bro Ottawa's Ottawa's next in line bro for sure definitely I've been like tapping in with the stuff right now with the interviews and like the other content too so um you know where'd you grow up like in Ottawa and like what was like the environment like for you growing up like would you say it was like you had like a very great childhood uh, back then or would it be like very different um. I grew up mainly in the East End of Ottawa. I moved around. See, I wasn't born in Ottawa. I was born in Sudbury, but I moved to Ottawa when I was like two or something like that. So it was like before I could even like know I kind of moved type thing. But um, yeah, I grew up kind of in the East End. I kind of moved around within that area. I would say my upbringing was pretty good, you know? Like I was really, I was a child that wasn't really like aware of my surroundings in the sense where like, I wasn't really focused on anything else, but just like having fun and like playing around and stuff like that. Like all greater issues when it came to like, I don't know, like money or struggling financially. Like that's not something that I would really pay attention to. I was a really um, artistic kid when I was younger too. Like, oh, true. I liked a lot of, um, I like to sing, but like before I made music, I loved like just dancing, you know, acting, just anything within the arts and, like, performing was, like, kind of my thing. Like, I really love performing, so. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. I know with uh, Ottawa, like, around that time, too, like, they had, like, a lot of people, like, that were, like, coming up with the whole, like, CP record situation with I'm Sorry, uh, Belly, uh, Mia Martina, and then, like, also, like, Keisha Shantanu, who was, like, one of, like, the newer faces, like, in the scene, too. But, like, in terms of, like, the whole, like, community uh, within Ottawa, like, was it big at that time, like, in terms of music? Growing up, yeah, I mean, I was a kid, bro. <laughs> I didn't start. I didn't start making music until like I started making music six years ago. Oh, so like, and anything involving like the Ottawa music scene prior to that, I wasn't really aware of, unless if it was twenty sixteen. Oh, true. Like twenty sixteen yeah. on to now, like I wasn't really like aware oh, of like the music yeah. scene. But like the first instance, like when you noticed it, was that like oh. um. Could you like even like describe that like first instance uh, when you saw it like in that sense? Hell yeah! Um, the first time I really like recognized like the only people I would really know in Ottawa that were doing the thing was like uh, like Metro and them and and uh, Lido. Oh, I remember like just being in high school and just seeing all their types of music videos oh, and true. stuff like that, and it was it was it was really cool to see. I, I wasn't really like the type to be in like like I just. Those are the only rappers I kind of really saw in Ottawa kind of oh, doing their thing. So, yeah, yeah definitely pay respects to them. Nah, 100%, man. And um, correct me if I'm uh, wrong. You're uh, Rwandan, uh, correct? Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, because how, like, how I was, did you know that? I mean, I was like tapping in uh, with the whole like CBC like interview uh, type thing. Oh, I and, said that in my interview? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, okay. I was like, like I just wanted, I just wanted to be correct on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I was um, like, Nardo Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how did you know that? <laughs> nah, yeah, man. Uh, nah, but, for sure. uh, True. But like, you know, growing up uh, Rwandan, um, describe to me more about like Rwandan culture, like in the household and like in your life, as well as like in everything else, like in general and all that too. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of music in the house. I could say that. Like there was a lot of music. 
I remember just getting work, woken up to like gospel music on Sundays to like clean the house and stuff like that. Like, I don't know, basically like typical, like, I guess, immigrant kind of stories. But yeah, yeah, very cultured. I don't know the language all that well, but my mom always tries to like tell me things here and there. And like, I'll I'll understand it, but like not like mastered it completely, you know? But yeah, it was definitely, definitely uh, Rwandan raised for sure. Definitely. No, 100% too. And I mean, with different like African cultures as well too. Um, I know like each culture is like very different in terms of like the food, in terms of everything else too. Like I'm Ethiopian by the way too. So it's like we have like a different way of like living than like other cultures too. So how are like, you know, Rwandans like very different from other like African like cultures or like ethnicities in that sense? I feel like not to always make it about music, but I feel like Rwandans are always like music oriented. I don't know why, like, even, like, just, like, with my mom, for example, like, I I, I always, like, would just, like, catch her, like, just singing around the house, you know, like, or just, like, just, like, being very vocal about just, like, music and how, like, I guess it's just embedded in the culture. I don't know if it's the same, like, uh, maybe for more African cultures, it's probably the same, but, like, in terms of my upbringing, there was a lot of music involved in terms of, like, just in the household, you know? Nah, 100% too, because when I look at the whole, like, African, like, music scene and all that too, like, with Afrobeats, with African hip-hop and all that, like, you have, like, Nigeria, Ghana, like, South Africa as, yeah. like, the three main hubs for, like, you know, music, like, blowing up in that sense too, but with knowing about, like, Rwandans, like, love for music and everything else too, do you ever feel like um there was, like, some issues on, like, the whole, like, scene, like, not blowing up from there and all that, or? Oh, just in general? Oh, yeah. I'm not too tapped in, bro. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'm not too tapped in into, like, the Rwandan music scene, but. Oh, true, true. Nah, yeah. nah, I understand, man. Um, but, you know, saying that, you know, like, even, like, with whole, like, uh, gospel uh, type stuff, mm-hmm. have you ever felt, like, you know, with church and, like, even, like, with the whole, like, aspect of choir and all that, like, did it play, like, a pivotal part, like, in the growth of, like, your music, like, in that sense, too? Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually so funny you mentioned that. Um, me and my manager, like, did choir in, like, the fourth grade. Oh, so, like, um, and when I when we did choir, it was always, like, me at the, like, I'd always have, like, these types of solos, like, different solos in the choir, and I feel like that was, like, I don't know. Like I said, I, I really liked performing when I was younger. So, like, oh, little stuff like that, like, I was always so keen to do. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess I just, like, enjoyed the spotlight. and enjoy- I guess less enjoyed the, the spotlight, more so enjoyed performing, you know? Oh, I was true. always, like, really big on performing, no matter what the aspects was. So, yeah, man, no. yeah choir definitely, like, choir in fourth grade at school yeah, <laughs> was, definitely, it was definitely a part of that, for sure, I think, subconsciously. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, 100%. And... You know, aside from the music and everything else too, like what were you like from the start of uh, birth until like adulthood? Um, just like as a kid, just yeah, like as a kid and all that. Uh, I was like, I was like the kid that was like always talking in class. I feel like I was always like, like I said, entertainer, right? So I just like to make yeah, people man. laugh. Things in that nature sometimes it's like always not that good. You know, teachers trying to scold you and stuff like that. Um. I remember fourth grade was just the worst because it's like, I don't know. Teacher was really on my case. But um, yeah, I was just basically like, I wouldn't really say class clown, but I was just trying to make people laugh. And just, I was talking. I was very talkative when I was younger. Yeah. The more I grew up though, like um, the more I went through high school and whatever the case is, I became more reserved because as I started, I, as I started to make music, I, I locked myself in the basement a lot, just like constantly trying to focus on blowing up and like things of that nature. So it's like, to go from like talking a lot, being in the basement kind of forced me to be more introverted and like lock in on like my sound and what I'm trying to do. So yeah, for sure. Ah, 100% too. And um, like even when you talked about like your whole like musical background and history, like being in choir, you know, your uh, mother like, you know, singing like while gospel, uh, while gospel music like was like played like in that sense too. Yeah. Like what inspired you to become like this whole like multidisciplinary artist and you know, taking your craft seriously, like, in that sense? Uh, multidisciplinary, I would say, uh, came from just not really knowing anybody. Like, like I said, like, I was probably the first one in my friend group. No, I was definitely the first one in my friend group to start making music. So I didn't, I didn't always have, like, a videographer at my disposal because I didn't have the money for it. Or, like, I didn't always have, like, a producer. I would just look up YouTube beats. But I guess what kind of, like, opened my mind to being more versatile, I mean, more um, disciplinary in the sense where, like, multidisciplinary was um, 
when I started making beats. But even before that, I feel like even before that, like I started making uh, music 2017 on BandLab. And then I would just do it myself. I just figured that like, I don't know why, but in my mind, I never thought like I needed an engineer. I just like taught myself how to engineer because I was like, I want to make a song, you know? Um, and then like, obviously like people I would definitely look up to was like Russ, who like does everything himself too. So like um, seeing him succeed and knowing that you can do it yourself and still make it, that was kind of like my ideal of success. Like always being able to turn back to him and know like, oh yeah, like this is really possible what I'm doing, you know? Yeah, no, 100% too. And I feel like even like in that sense too, like we're just going to get like onto like this uh, next question too. Yeah. But, um, you know, just before that, um, do you ever feel like it's better to make it like out of your hometown than like rather like moving out to like a different city to kind of like blow up like in that sense too? Because I know like how like most people from like small towns would have to kind of move out to their like to like a different city to kind of blow up. Like, I don't know, like what's like your opinion on that in that sense? You don't need to move to make it. Definitely not. That's a misconception. As soon as the internet started becoming a thing, like, you don't need to move to be able to make it because you can post a single post and have people from all over the world be topped in, you know? Even if it's not that many streams, like, say, you post something and it gets, like, 100 views, but, like, 50 of them are from England. You know, you've never been there, but now you have 50 people that listen to your music out there, you know? So I feel like that whole, like, hometown mentality in the sense of like you have to leave in order to make it is a misconception it's because the internet is accessible to literally everyone in the world and that's where you put out your music you know yeah man. but definitely like obviously some people might say like i'm contradicting myself because i'm in toronto (laughs) some people might say i'm like contradicting myself but i think it's very important that like you you travel I'm not saying don't travel, but I'm saying like to completely shift your focus to a different city is not a necessity in order to make it. Yeah, no. That's that's like my personal belief. Yeah, no, 100% too, because, you know, with your growth, like in Ottawa too, just like being in the city, like blowing up from there too. Yeah. It's interesting too, because like with people that are from that same city that have to move to Toronto to sort of make it too, like you kind of notice like this whole like difference in this trend where like, blowing up, like, in a different area is, like, going to be different than, like, blowing up, like, at home, too, so. Yeah. And, you know, just to even get on to this question, um, what, how, can you explain, like, more, like, the differences, like, in your experiences between, like, Toronto and Ottawa in terms of, like, the way of living, like, social norms, et cetera, and all that? Um, I've only been in Toronto for about, uh, probably, like, uh, 10 hours. <laughs> so, I haven't really, like, experienced, like, in terms of, like, living situation. But I would say um, the similarities, I would say, like, both places are definitely diverse. Oh, like, true. like, both places are definitely diverse. Like, we have diversity in Ottawa. You know, Toronto has it as well. And uh, I guess the music scene is a little bit more solidified here because you guys have, like, you know, Drake, The Weeknd, whatever the case yeah. is, Ali Gotti, um, uh, all types of people, Jesse Reyes, you know. Yeah. You guys have pioneers that have already set the way. So it kind of invites new artists to kind of start to like, like shop their music around and and, and just increase the culture in general. I feel like yeah. Ottawa is still in the beginning stages, but it, it is definitely furthest that it has ever been. I would say personally. Yeah, you know? no, 100% too. Yeah. And um, I think, do you ever feel like there's more like ingrown talent from there that made it like in the city just by staying there rather than like you know moving to toronto or to like vancouver and all that or do do you do i think that there is uh well yeah like if there's like more like talent there that are kind of like making it like in their city like not having to like kind of like leave to like a different city that kind of like made it there oh yeah i'm sure there's definitely people in the city like that don't have to necessarily move i feel like the mindset is to move but like I mean, I'm still live there and oh, there's people that listen to my music, you know? Oh, so, true. yeah, man, I don't know. I just feel like the whole movie thing is kind of de- dead. And especially the fact, I, I don't feel, I really feel like it's cool to leave the place you're from and not represent it in a way, you know? Like, my whole goal with Ottawa is to make sure that wherever I go, like, I'm in Toronto talking about Ottawa. You get what I'm trying yeah. to say? And not, like, 
go to Toronto and rep Toronto. Where, oh, when in reality, that's not really where I'm from, you know? <laughs> and I know that there's a lot of people in the city that don't necessarily have that beacon of hope or have that person to be like, yo, he's in a different city. He's doing his thing with the music. Oh, he's true. selling out arenas. He's doing shows. He's yeah. And he's from where I'm from, you know? I yeah. feel like that relatability and that tangibility is not is kind of lacking in the city. But there are people that are doing it that still rep it, you know? Like, um, yeah, shout out Night Lavelle. Night yeah. Lavelle is definitely a good example for sure. Yeah, nah, 100%, man. And, you know, just getting on to uh, part two uh, right now, like, what would, like, a day in, like, in the studio uh, be like for you? Day in the life? Yeah. Um. So I wake up, you know, uh... My my studio, okay, for reference, my studio is right next to my bed. So oh, it's true. like, I'll like wake up and yeah. go straight to the studio. So a regular day for me is I'll wake up probably like, probably like 12, wake up, uh, brush my teeth, uh, of course, go to the studio, um, make some music. These days, I've been going live on TikTok a lot. Oh, true. So I'll probably say that like, that's probably added in in like the... But I, I'll be going live and making music, though. Yeah, man. So make music and then just um, stay in the studio, soak up game. There's always something to do. Like, I, I'll be watching a lot of interviews. Less these days because the people that I watch haven't been dropping as much interviews, but there's always something to do. So I'll probably just stay in the studio and then if I remember to eat, go upstairs, eat, go to the washroom if I have to. And then just go to bed and just rinse and repeat. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, like I, I'm really a homebody. Like, uh, that's, that's why, like, the whole basement room, like, the whole brand is, like, is because it's me and my managers just, like, always stay home in the basement, like, working, yeah, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't know if you've had, like, experience, like, going to, like, outside studios uh, before in the past or? I have, yeah. Archie. Yeah, with my producer, actually. Archie. Yeah, yeah. I went with Rooftop. Shout out Rooftop. Uh, you know, he's a producer out of Ottawa, too. Yeah, um. The best producer out of Ottawa, too. And we we definitely, like... I wanted to try it out because I had never been to a studio prior to, like, oh, last year. Like, I spent five years in the basement making music dolo, you know? Oh, true. So it's like... It, it was cool. It was definitely a good experience. And, and it kind of prompted us to kind of come here so that we can, like, be together for long amounts of hours of time and just cook because our, our chemistry is really good together. Like, yeah, me and Roof, like... For those who know, know, like, me and Rooftop, like, we don't miss. Like, that's not something that we do. Yeah. Nah, 100%, man. And, like, even in that experience, too, like, even with that whole short experience, like, being okay. in that outside studio, yeah. like, what would be that, like, actual difference, you know, like, being in a home studio that you crafted on your own versus, like, being in an actual studio with a lot of, like, unique equipment that's, like, never seen, like, in that sense, too, and all that, you know? Less comfortability. Uh, that's what I would say. In my basement, there's nobody there. So I can literally just wake up and just say whatever I want on the microphone. Uh, and like, I know there's no eyes. Yeah. When I first went to the studio, it was Rooftop and my manager. Yeah. And when we went, like, it was so weird because the first time I hopped in the booth, like we were trying to record the whole situation. Uh, my manager tried to record me as I was in the booth. And I got so nervous. <laughs> I was like, bro, you need to get out, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's It's just weird, like, I guess since you're in the basement alone, it kind of hits different. You know, yeah, you're more liberated. You're more free to be creative. Yeah. I feel like once there's more eyes on you, there's kind of more pressure. But now I feel like it's calm. Like I've literally everybody I hang around with, I've recorded it in front of them, every single yeah, one of them. So no. it's more comfortable. Like I, I, I'm I, more lenient to say like whatever I want in the studio, which yeah, is no. always important. Yeah, no, 100% too. And I think like what I could... What I could actually uh, say too is like with home studios, you know, it's like, you know, you know, like the environment around you, you know, like the settings, you know, like what you could do, like, you know, from what you could relate to, like within that whole aspect of that right. home studio to, you know, your bedroom, your photos on the wall too. like in an actual studio, like you really don't get to have that experience unless you kind of embody it through like self-creation or anything else too. And I could also say too, with like, as you said, like the amount of people too, and just the environment, you know, like you get like trickled into an environment where you have to like follow these like aspects to kind of be that type of person and all that too versus like, versus like in a home studio, you know, no one's like watching, like no one's around too. So you kind of like make your own rules, like set your own standards on how to make the best studio experience like for yourself and all that too. So yeah, it's like pressure to perform. That's yeah. what I feel like. I, I mean, it doesn't feel like that now, except if I'm in the studio with people I don't know, which I don't think has ever happened, but like 
if I'm comfortable, like the people that I'm with, I'm very comfortable with, so I'm able to like record no stress. But yeah, yeah it definitely felt weird the first time though, for sure. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent, man. Um, but you know the song that I actually uh, tapped in, uh, I think it's uh. Two M's or something like that. Two M. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's like one song that kind of stand out from what yeah. I've heard before too. So like, what inspired you to like rap in French and like even like make a French single? Do you feel like it connects to more fan bases like within your region or within everywhere? Like in that sense. Wow, Two M. Wow. I can like getting Two M brought up in an interview is crazy. Okay, so Two M. The story behind that song, I made it when I was 15 years old. Okay. So it was a year into me making music, and I made it in my bedroom. And um, uh, I remember, like, just having, like, hand-me-down speakers from my uncle, a 2012 MacBook from my mom. And I was just, like, sitting there on my night tent, nightstand with um, a pull-out chair. At, like, you know the foldable ones that, like, you use at the beach or something? Or, yeah. like, when you go camping? Like, yeah. yeah, that's the one I used to sit down in my bed. It was right there. But that's back when I didn't have really any equipment and a USB microphone. And, like, I was just watching a lot of color studio. Like, you know, the color studio? I was watching a lot of French artists, like, do those, like, interview. I mean, do those, um, do those performances. And yeah. I was like, this is hard. I speak French. I'm bilingual. So it's like, I never really tried to make a song in French. I was always trying to do it in English. So I just, like, one day I was just like, let me just try it. And I tried it once, and it was kind of mid. And then I tried it again. And then uh, off a of YouTube beat, um, and Tumem came out of it. And I remember, like, I had this whole, like, rollout for it. And that was the first time, actually, when I was trying to start to take music very serious. I remember I spent two weeks locked in in my room um, trying to look up editorial playlists to get placed on. Like, that was, like, that was kind of, like, I was new to everything, bro. Like, I was new yeah. to everything. And uh, my mom was very mad. Because I would stay, I would literally lock myself in there for like days at a time. Like sometimes, like only leaving to go to the washroom and eating and then coming back, you know, like really, really locked in. And um, yeah, man, it did pretty well. Like locally, I guess like in high school, like people like kind of liked the song or whatever. But um, it got, it ended up getting placed on an editorial playlist. And then like for the longest time, I was just trying to catch another one that did as well. And I was kind of mad at the success of Two Men because one, it was a French song and I was trying to blow up as a rapper. I didn't want Two Men to be like my beacon of like people only knowing me for doing French songs. So that's when I really locked in on my rapping and like try to perfect it as much as I could yeah, true. to try to like just be the best rapper ever that I could possibly be so that I could overtake that song. But then I, I after like becoming good, like I had to like go through it several like years of it. After becoming good at rapping, I come to terms with the fact that Chimem is a standalone song within itself. I made it at 15 years old. There's people that I still listen to it yeah. till this day. Yeah. So I shouldn't diminish the success just because of like my internal terms that I have in my head, yeah. you know? Like I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I should have just like appreciated for what it is and just be really happy that I have a song that's like has over 20,000 streams and I made it at 15 years old and people still yeah. listen to it, you know? Like, yeah, nah. yeah, no, but it was definitely a blessing, but yeah, nah, yeah it's definitely yeah. a moment for sure. Nah, for sure. Uh, because like, even with, you know, being like an English, like rapping artist yeah. who can do like songs in French too, like, you know, bilingual and all that too, mm -hmm. you know, even in Canada, it kind of creates like more diversity to open up other like opportunities as well too. You know, you could perform in Quebec in like certain regions, you know, like in like Sherborne in Quebec City, like up north much more too, or like even certain regions in Canada where, you know, people can only speak uh, French and all that. So, you know, more fan bases, you know, more opportunities for like SoCan Factor. And yeah. it just kind of like opens like that lane uh, right there too. Um, You know, even like from what I've noticed, like with a lot of like French artists, like that are from like Montreal or Ottawa that do come to like other cities, like in Canada, it is hard for them to kind of perform like, you know, in English speaking like areas where mm. like, you know, because it's like low ticket sales, yeah, you know, like yeah, not yeah. that much too. But, yeah. you know, when you go like anywhere like Montreal, Quebec City or up north, you know, like that fan base is going to be there too. And like being and like being an English speaking like artist who could do French, uh, French too in a bilingual like aspect yeah. too. Like it kind of like opens up those uh, doors from there and all that. So, yeah, bro, I have the cheat code. <laughs> I have the yeah, cheat code man. when it comes to like making music because... 
anybody can rap in different languages, but not everybody's going to be good. You know, I learned how to make like hit songs in English. So I know like what works and what doesn't work. So to be able to translate all those melodies and those raps like into, and that knowledge into French, like I have a, I have like an idea of what I'm going to do with French, but I'm not going to say it just yet. I I think I'm going to let it play out first. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. 100%. And I know like you have like a lot of singles like already out uh, right now, but are you more inclined to dropping an album soon with the amount of singles or? Album? See, like the real ones always get mad at me, bro. Like I not dropping an album until I blow up. That's the promise that I made to myself. I feel like that's very important. Um, I model a lot of my come up with Russ and like, ideally I want to be, oh, I mean, I can't say that yet, but ideally like, I just want the, I just want my debut album. I have such high expectations for it. Then to drop it on deaf ears will kind of like be letting myself down, you know, and I need to keep my word that I'm going to release it once I blow up so that once millions of people have eyes on me, then the music is going to get its just due and it'll be able to do what it should do, you know? Yeah. I believe that my debut album will go platinum, like RIAA, like not Canada. Obviously, Canada fits RIAA, but like, I believe my debut album will go platinum. So in order to pay it that same respect, I'm not going to drop it on deaf ears. So yeah, it's definitely going to come when I blow. Um, I, I definitely, I definitely started it. Like I, I've been started it like two years ago. But it's definitely a process, though, for sure. It's a process, definitely. Yeah, man. I mean, I could definitely, like, agree with you, like, on that sense, too. Because, like, with artists that have done, like, more single-wise stuff than albums, like, you know, Russ, Arizona, Zervas, and all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Spitty and all that, too. Yeah. Um, A whole lot, like, I could definitely say, like, uh, La Russell, uh, too, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they know how to connect their fans through those singles. And I think with fans, like they could find a single that they like and it'll be like very like long lasting. As you said, like even with uh, To Mem, you know, people still like listen to that song uh, to this Crazy. day and all that. So do you even feel like they're more like long lasting, you know, with impact wise than with albums and all that? Singles? Yeah, yeah. Are singles more long lasting impactful than albums? Yeah. Okay. I'll give you the answer of the world and then I'll give you my answer. In the world, like a lot of stuff is come and go. But I genuinely believe that I'm an anomaly. I genuinely believe that. I believe that my music, with the substance that it has and the quality that it that it has, it'll be like long lasting. So whether it's in an album form or whether it's in a single form, I believe my music will like have its longevity. You know. Yeah. Um. But these days, there's a lot of like microwavable music. Yeah. I feel like it's always been like that. But especially these days, fast with TikTok or whatever the case is, like, there's a lot of music that comes and goes, and a lot of people are looking to get a hit on TikTok as opposed to actually adding substance into the music. Um, there's a Russ line. I know I keep messing with Russ, but there's a Russ line where he says, um, in Cold Wind Blows Freestyle, he says um, something along the lines of like, am I the only ones, am I the only one who still cares about the music? You know? Like, I feel it in the same regard where it's like, good music stays and microwavable music doesn't last long. Like, you might get a couple dollars off of TikTok, but what's that to... Um, you know, making sure your kids are straight. So yeah, man. Yeah, nah, hundred percent too. And you know, I want to get more into the whole like fan base uh, situation too. So yeah, you know, I don't know if anyone ever talks about this, but how did you manage to grow your fan base from the start of your career until now? And like, what were like some ways or practice uh, practices to initiate that growth and like maintaining that? Bro, that's so crazy. You even asked me that question, bro. Um, I wouldn't say I don't know because I do. Um. One, first of all, I want to say that it's absolute blessing that people even go out of the way to listen to my music. Like, I'm so grateful, man, because I spent so many hours in a basement, like, with no lights and just long nights, hours, learning how to mix, going to school tired, sleeping through all lectures, all classes, you know? So the fact that people go out of their way to listen to my music and they actually enjoy it is the utmost blessing to me. How it grew, though... It's just consistency, bro. I dropped a song a week for over two years, bro. I was hard-headed. I'm like, yo, someone is going to listen to this. And when they will, they'll realize it's hard and they will stick with me, you know? I knew that I wasn't tripping, you know? Because me and my manager, we were kind of just in the basement. We always knew, like, this is going to get us just you at some point in time. And um, I started dropping a song a week in 2019. I, I ended in 2020. 
2022. And over the course of like getting placed on editorial playlists, over the course of like just being interactive on social media, creating my brand basement room, creating a consistent image for myself, uh, people just started coming in over time. It was definitely not an overnight thing. And I'm definitely not where I'm about to be because I know it's just going to take off from here. But I'm definitely grateful to say that there are people from different parts of the world that listen to me. And I'm very, 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 very blessed. Very blessed for sure. Definitely. Yeah, man. And I feel like even in that sense too, like with fans, like it creates more opportunities to do shows, to go to different areas too. Like that's why like you're in Toronto right now to even have these like interactions uh, too. And, you know, I want to ask about like that experience, you know, like touring and doing other uh, types of stuff too. So you've only toured like within like Ottawa, Ottawa, correct? Um, I haven't gone on an official tour yet, oh, but I've done shows in Ottawa. Like, I think I did like five shows last oh, year. True. One of them being like my own headlining show. Oh, true. Yeah, so I haven't toured yet. Oh, true. So tell me about like, you know, your whole like local performing experience and how has that impacts like, you know, performing at like, you know, like, a lot, you know, certain shows like in Ottawa and like gaining like your fan base from there? I love performing with my heart and soul. Like, I genuinely love it. Like, that's one of the things in music where like, it's one of my favorite parts about music because you can actually see your music manifest itself into real life. Like, I remember my first ever performance was uh, this nonprofit organization called Jack.org. And me and my manager, like, we just pulled up and they offered us, like, you know, change to perform. Um, and then we just went there and did the show. And it was so, it, it was emotional. I can't lie. Like, like, I remember there was a point in time when I was on stage, this 2020 one or two, I can't remember, but I remember there was a point in time where I was on stage and like they put their lights up, you know, they put their lights up and stuff like that. And I was just like, I was almost, I almost came to tears because I was like, wow, like I've been envisioning this moment for at that point would have been like four or five years. So to see it manifest itself into real life is generally a blessing. But um, at my show, my headlining show last year, that was the first time we ever did it. It was a bass room production. Like it was the first time ever doing it. And it was lit, man. Like, that was the first time where people sung my lyrics to me ever in life, ever in life. And I'm so happy that it was at, like, my headlining show, you know? So, yeah, it's definitely a blessing. And I'm very, very excited for this next one because it's going to be sold out. And, oh, my gosh, it's going to be it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah, man. I'm not excited. Yeah, man. I'm not excited. <laughs> yeah, nah, 100% too. And we'll speak more uh, later on that, too. Um, you know, I want to get more into this whole, like, aspect of, like, TikTok uh, right now because yeah. that's where you're more active on, the, on uh, you know— you know, pr- promoting your stuff and like engaging sure. and, all, and all that, correct? Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh, true. I, I'm active on TikTok. I'm active really everywhere, but yeah, I've been going live on TikTok. I can't lie. Yeah, <laughs> nah, most, uh, definitely, definitely some real ones yeah. on TikTok. Shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, man. Now, nah, likewise, and a lot of stuff uh, coming through too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've heard uh, Kelly Clarkson uh, talk about this uh, too. You know, within the idea of TikTok. But do you think you know finding a way to make your music go viral on TikTok is a fair creative? effective uh, marketing strategy uh, proposal for artists to use or does it diminish like the artistry in that sense? You shouldn't go into the studio thinking about TikTok. Hell no. No, absolutely not. I don't go into the studio and be like, oh my gosh, this is going to blow on TikTok. Absolutely not. No, I go into the studio and vent about my life. That's it. The studio is very selfish, selfish experience for me because I use it to get my ideas across. If I don't make music, I'm purposeless. I don't move. Like I don't think before I move, you know? Like, music is a very reflective thing for me. So to think about an app where I might blow up on, like, I could, there's someone that could be right now actively trying to blow up on TikTok. Whole time, they would have blown up on YouTube if they would have tried hard enough, you know? So it's like, to put all your eggs in one basket and say that TikTok, like, if I don't have TikTok, then nothing's going to happen. Like, I started to gain supporters before I even made a TikTok, you know? Yeah, 100%. I think I got stopped in public at 700 followers, um with my manager downtown Ottawa and I had no TikTok. Uh-uh, true. Yeah, I hadn't made a single TikTok. Yeah. So no, nah, I definitely yeah. agree too. Uh but I mean even with other stuff uh too like we could like talk about like certain like things that are blowing up on TikTok uh, right now with mm-hmm. uh Flyana Boss, you know, like those two girls like running like to the camera and all that. Like you know you know about that, right? No. Like it's like uh, these like two girls like rapping and like they're running like to the oh, camera. I think I've seen it. I think, yeah, yeah. like I might have seen it in passing, but yeah. Yeah, man. And like also like the whole like pinky doll situation. Um, Like how do you even uh, feel about those c- campaigns uh, right now? What's pinky doll? Like so pinky doll, uh, it's the girl that's like kind of 
on the lives and like she's kind of like doing like the whole like NP uh, NPC. Oh, uh, oh okay, so, like, okay. How do you, how do you feel about like those like trends uh, right now on TikTok? I said let's do it. Oh, and I want to I want to make it clear because it kind of sounded like I was a hater on TikTok. I'm live on TikTok every day, by the way. Uh, I just want to make that clear yeah. to all cameras. I'm live on TikTok like all the time. Like I'm not hating on TikTok at all. Uh, I'm just saying that like to um to depend on TikTok for success is a bad mindset. TikTok uh-huh. can blow you up, yes. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a focus in it because I would be ignorant to say that. But like, like, don't depend on it. Like, if I don't have TikTok, then I'm miserable. Like, don't think like that. Like, you can you can delete TikTok off your phone and still blow up. But that's funny as hell, though. Like, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was watching, yeah, the trend is actually funny. I seen it before it blown, because I'm, I'm on live, right? So, yeah. like, I'll see people that go live. Just like in my recommended in my feed, since I go live often, it shows me a lot of lives. And I seen her before she had like the viewers and before she True. blew up. And I was just like, what's going on here? <laughs> I yeah. was mad confused. Yeah. But hey, she's a mother. She's getting her bag. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, what's her name? Pinky Doll? Uh, yeah, like Pinky Doll, like the whole NBC uh, type stuff. And then the Flyanna boss uh, girls like running like on camera and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Those are kind of like the two trends that I'm seeing uh, right now on, on TikTok. But, like, even in, like, that sense, too, like, in the future, do you feel like it might be more consistent to even do that, like, in the long run? Or do you feel like they would have to change their uh, content up in that sense? Honestly, there's some people that just, like, TikTok is their thing. Like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even like, be as arrogant to say, like, don't do anything that you don't believe is right for you. Like, she believed that it was right for her to sit in front of a camera and and just NPC it to gifts and... I don't have no issues. Like, get your bag. And she's a mother. She's getting her bag. Like, I don't got no problem with her. Like, shout out her. Shout out uh, Pinky Doll, you said? Uh, yeah, Pinky Doll and then uh, Flyanna Boss, uh, too. Um, Pinky Doll, shout out to you. You're doing your thing. And if you see this, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, likewise, I man. <laughs> um, I mean, let's uh, get back into the other topics uh, right now, too. Um, You know, your music was, like, played, like, in the radio, I think, uh, a couple times. Like, yeah. on... So I want to talk more about that. And, like, how was, like, that feeling, like, you know, even having your music on, like, many, like, streaming uh, platform playlists and, like, being played on, like, local radio, do you feel like your life changed in that sense, too? It helped so much. I can't even sit here and say it didn't. I remember the first time I got played on radio, like, oh, my Lord. Like, it was, it was like, oh, my gosh. I wish my manager could sit in this chair and explain to you. (laughs) It was, like, the most euphoric moment I had ever experienced, like, I, I still, every time I think about it, I get butterflies in my stomach because there was no manifestation of success up until that point. When I first got played on the local radio station, Hot 899 in my city, just to be able to sit in my same basement and like turn on the radio and hear my song that I produced, no credit. Like it was like, words can't even describe. I was so happy. Um, and then it started happening more frequently, which I was, I'm very blessed to say. Um, yeah, man. No, I definitely helped. Editorial playlist was something I was grinding for after 2MEM. 2MEM got placed. There was like a two-year gap where I didn't get placed on editorials. And within that two-year gap, I think I dropped like over 100 songs. So it was just me trying to figure out the algorithm, how to get placed and things yeah. of that nature. And um, uh, yeah, man, the first time I got placed, I remember after 2MEM was Balling on Ice. And I remember I was in my bed and I woke up to Balling on Ice having like 100 streams or 200 streams. And at that time, like, I would wake up and I'd get, obviously, way less than that. I woke up to that and uh, I shed a tear, bro. Never because know. it was two years of active grinding. And I always, like, imagine myself, me and my manager, we always talk about, like, yo, like, once we get on the editorial playlist, it's over. Like, yeah. it's over. Like, we're gone. Yeah. We're clear. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, that's like, obviously, like, the naive mindset that we had. But, like, yeah. it, it definitely did help. And also with, like, Unclear with, like, yeah. Haley and stuff like that, yeah. like, Getting on editorial playlists kind of pushes your music. And I noticed it helps a lot for discovery too. There's people that just yeah. on a daily, just listening to music. Like you yeah. could be, you could have a speaker right now and just play music. Yeah. And it ha- I'd have, my music would happen to come up and be like, oh, who is that? Like, I feel like it's a good sense of uh, discovery and it helped yeah. a lot with streams as well. So, and I guess like, you know, even more with like write ups and all that too, because like you'll have oh, yeah, like, yeah. like blog recognition, like from hot new hip hop from, you know, Canadian hip hop to like Shifter Magazine to everything else too. Yeah, like it sure. kind of like grows up from there too. I'm mean, even Exclaim too. Like if you're if you're on Exclaim, then you know you're going places and all that too. You know, so mm. yeah, man. Definitely shout out to all the blogs, man. 
A lot of blogs dubbed us, bro. I can't lie. A lot of blogs. Send, I send, I've been sending emails since I was like 14. No, since I was like 12 years old. And like just trying to professional emails, trying to get on and stuff like that. And in terms of music wise, I, I definitely sent well over a thousand emails. And a lot of people didn't reply, man, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay. It's fine. I mean, I think uh, we might get a write-up uh, sometime uh, later uh, within the year, so hopefully uh, we'll be uh, tuned in on that, you know? So, oh, yeah, for sure. Nah, nah y'all, y'all, y'all my guys, bro. <laughs> shout out shout out, Lens of, of Yashu, bro. Yeah, for man. sure. Likewise, man. And yes, sir. Have you ever felt like you've grown as an artist from the start of, of your career until now? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got way better. I used to be trash at rapping. I used to be horrible, garbage. Like, you'd hear me rapping, you'd be like, turn that off immediately. And mind you, too, it's like, not only am I bad at rapping, but the mix isn't even nice. I was terrible at mixing as well. So it's like, yeah. to learn how to mix rap vocals was like my hardest struggle music-wise. But once I locked it in, it was GG's. Like, I'm just, I'm just very blessed that I've grown. And also, since my music is so open and honest, my music is a reflection of myself. So the fact that the music is getting better, it means that I'm growing as a human as well, you know? Not to say that, like, I'm going to be perfect, but, like, uh, I guess it's more introspection and more like self-awareness that I'm kind of developing as I as I grow older. And I, I feel like you can hear it in my pen that my that my my lyrics are kind of getting more more deep and specific as opposed to like conceptualized love songs. So Yeah, man. No, yeah. likewise. And you know, it's even like kinda hard for me to like even like ask about like the whole like inspiration and creative process for your singles because you've dropped so many singles that kind of reflect on like a lot of things uh, too, but you know, even with like free songs uh, that you want to talk about, like I know that I'm plugging this in uh, early, like name free songs, like deep in your heart that you could recommend for people to check out for like the very first time. And you know, what can you tell more about the creative process and inspirations on those? Um, Three songs. I say A-OK produced by Rooftop. Um, I'd say Love Me Down Part 2 was definitely, like, one of my favorite songs I've ever made in my life. So there's that. And then for the third song, I would say um, Still Going Freestyle. Oh, true. Just for some bars, you know? Amen. Yeah, all of, all of them are very honest, you know? Yeah. They're very honest music. Like, yeah. you'll hear it, and, like, if you're, like, someone in my life, you'll definitely know who and what I'm talking about for sure. Yeah, no, likewise, man. And we'll definitely, like, plug those in, like, on any playlist or anything else. So, too, we have on Tila Y, too. And, I mean, I want to ask uh, this question, uh, too, because you've explained about, like, you know, being a hardworking artist and creative through, like, many ways, through radio, yeah. through, like, you know, m being in the studio, through having, like, a lot of other stuff as well, too. But for people that want to be, like, near your footsteps, too, like, what would be, like, some great advice that you would give to any aspiring uh, like artists or people that want to follow like in those footsteps. Don't quit. Don't quit. I swear on my life it works. Don't quit. I had nothing going for myself music-wise. Everybody thought I was going to flop and I'm in a different city getting asked about my music and tomorrow I'm about to meet with a lot of people who support my music from a city that I am not from. I used to be in the basement scratching my head as to how I'm going to get five people to tap into my music and really believe in me. So it's really just like, don't quit and um, keep your thoughts to yourself. Not everybody needs to listen to your dreams. Not everybody needs to be a second opinion because not everybody is equipped to even answer any of your questions because music especially is a very lonely road and it's very subjective to whatever you're living. So don't go into it thinking that, oh, because he's an artist or because, because he likes music that he's going to be able to help me or she's going to be able to help me. Don't listen to no one, yeah, not man. anybody, not even a single soul. Listen to your gut and your instinct because yeah. there's a lot of people that try to kill dreams just because their dreams got killed, yeah. you know? And I had to learn that the very, very hard way. There's a lot of people who laughed at me. There's a lot of people who doubted me. There's a lot of people who... You know, that scene my thing and said, I'm never going to make it. I have a song called Yuck, where the cover art is someone sending me on Snapchat, you will never be famous. Like, these are real life things that happen to me. So 
I would say like trust your gut instinct. Find that one person that's going to ride or die for you no matter what. And that's going to be able to believe in you sometimes more than you believe in yourself. Um, and this goes to however old you are, like young or old, you know, like I feel like it applies to everybody because when you're young, a lot of people tend to claim like you don't know anything, you know, and they'll and if they're older, they'll use it as an excuse to try to diminish you and diminish your thoughts, diminish your opinions, uh, diminish your views, diminish your work. I have a line in Balna Nice that says, um, uh, something along the lines of like, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, uh, uh, sorry, I'm trying to get the line now. Now it's going to annoy me. Off my never ending work. Oh, like reduce me to my age. Like you're reducing me to the years that I've been on this earth as opposed yeah. to like seeing me for the work that I've put in. I was 18 with four, four years of music experience and like constant research. Like I'd be in classroom, not writing notes at all, reading articles, like watching interviews, like while the teacher's trying to tell me something in my ear, like I'm trying to write lyrics on the piece of paper. Like, you know, know. like I just feel like you need to really listen to your gut instinct, you know, and I, and I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but I really want to make it known that whatever you're doing in life, no, even if you don't have uh, references of success, it is very possible. You know, I feel like it's very possible. And that's what I'm trying to do for Ottawa. You know, I, I genuinely believe in the youth of Ottawa because I was a youth in Ottawa and I didn't have the certain, uh, a beacon of hope that I could look up to and be like, damn, like he's doing it. Like I could be able to do it too, you know, like on a mainstream, on a mainstream scale. So I'm going to be the first person to do that so that I can show the youth of Ottawa, like, Hey bro, like I was once in your shoes. I've walked your ends. It is possible, bro. Like it is a hundred percent possible. You can do it because I've done it and I'm from where you're from. So you have absolutely no excuse. So I know I kind of jumped from topic to topic, but I really want to make it known that like it works, bro. Like I swear on my life, everything is possible. If you just set your mind to it and you manifest, yeah. that's uh, just what it is. hundred percent you know? too. And you know, being a person that kind of watches like interviews too, like, I mean, I've watched like a lot of stuff like, you know, like Vlad TV, like no jumper, academic sometimes too or mm. like even like some of the mainstream ones but um yeah. what were like some interviews or like other from some content like from creators or from ar- artists uh, that you've watched uh, that you know consists of something for growth and all that too game yeah there hasn't been a rust interview i haven't watched <laughs> i've watched every single rust interview if you pull up a rust interview from 2015 i've watched it 2016 i've watched it every single interview i've watched of his so he's very adamant on on like bringing game to upcoming artists. And he was like a lot of the time, our reference point of success, you know, especially since I, I, I make music in the kind of same way that he does. So Russ interviews for sure. I would say like Russell is giving out a lot of game too. Yeah. I mentioned LaRussell, you know, um, Drake definitely does like, uh, and the interview I would refer to is um, his uh, rap radar interview with uh, Elliot Wilson and, uh, and the beat out Miller. Uh, I would say watch that one. And you're going to get a lot of game on just like his track history and how he does things like just being at the top of the game. So um, there's so many interviews I could refer, but like short amount of time. But yeah, yeah. those are, I would say like, those are the like kind of few that I can mention yeah, for, for absolute game for sure. Yeah, man. And an NLN interview. Uh-huh, true. Not 100%, <laughs> man. And hopefully uh, people will uh, tap on this uh, too and all that. Uh, but um, we just have like these uh, last uh, few questions uh, right here, but um. How do you deal with your mental health as a person in your position with everything going on in your life? Have you ever felt at times it could be like very like overwhelming? A lot. A whole lot. When I first started getting attention during my music, I kind of like broke down because I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't I didn't know how to handle attention because I, nobody would give me any attention, you know? And um, I would vent to my manager a lot and try to explain to him like kind of what was going on. But it's kind of hard when you're the only one experiencing it because... There's very little people that can relate to my situation specifically from going to being alone in the basement and only knowing one person that enjoys your music to like getting a hundred plus notifications in one day and, and like having people follow you that, uh, in the scene that you've never, that have never batted an eye to you once, you know, 
Like, especially in the first early days, it was very overwhelming. Even even recently, I'll keep it a buck, bro. Even recently, bro, it's been weird, bro. Like, I can't even lie, bro. Like, I'd be walking outside. Like, I'll go to like, I don't know, like a, a shop, like just a, a store or something. And like, someone would literally stop me and be like, yo. Like, I remember this guy that stopped me when I was going to Walmart. And he was like, yo, like, I recognize you. I'm thinking that I knew him from way back when. But it was actually a supporter, you know? And, um... I don't know. It's just like, that's such a like, that's such a like unique experience. And I don't know anybody personally that deals with that. So it's like to be able to look at someone and be like, yo, bro, I'm going through this. Like, like, do you feel me? Not to say like, woe is me, but it's kind of like, it's weird in a sense, you know, that transition is kind of awkward and you feel kind of alone in that path. But um, I'm learning to adjust to it now. I think one of the things was like come to, coming to realize that like, yo, I'm putting my face out there. I'm putting my music out there. People are going to know me, you know? But I think it's because I've been trapped in the basement for many years that I'm still the per- same person inside. It's just certain people now view me differently. You know yeah, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, 100%. So it's hard, it's hard to kind of maneuver with it. But I think now I'm starting to get used to it. But I don't know about this meeting greet tomorrow, bro. I might, I might get back in the hole again. I can't lie, bro. No, 100% too. But hopefully it works out too. Hopefully, like, people show up and you know, the fan base that like, comes in like uh, clutch, you know, very well, like either way too. So thank you. Bro. Yeah, man. Uh, but um, do you have any uh, regrets overall or do you regret nothing? Uh, regrets in life? Yeah. No, not a single regret. Uh, I, I, I feel like living in regret is like, like living in stress because you're always thinking about what you did wrong. True. You know, like everything, everybody's going to make mistakes in life. It's just about, you know, learning from them and moving on or not learning from them and getting smacked in the face with karma. Uh, is how life rolls, you know? So, no regrets. Not 100% too. And do you have any, like, final words uh, you'd like to say? And uh, where can people, like, follow you, like, on social media and all that? Um, One, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for interviewing me because there's many people that we've contacted before and they didn't want to interview us. So, you're the one to catch the NLN interview before it blows up. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Likewise. Um, NLN, everywhere where you listen to music. Just press play and enjoy yeah, man. Yeah. Likewise, man. And, you know, NLN, you know, it's yes, a sir. pleasure like, tapping yes, in, sir, like, linking bro. up with you and all that, too. For like, sure. I get to, like, really tap in with, like, you know, an artist, like, even outside the city, too, because, you know, we always uh, got to support, like, everyone that's, like, coming up, whether it's Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, for sure, Vancouver, you know, and, like, hopefully we'll do stuff, more stuff like this to make it in person, to make those uh, vibes like that, too. And, you know, to close off, you know, this is Josh, also known as Yashu, you know. You'll definitely see this on all platforms, too. If you have Spotify, if you have Apple Podcasts, or if you even have, like, Buzzsprout or Google, you're going to see this, like, everywhere, too. Like, you know, audio-wise, too. Like, just, like, put put in your headphones, and you're going to, like, hear it from there. And then YouTube, you know, you'll see it on YouTube. Click on uh, my channel, like, Lens of Yashu or TLY2 if you want to see the clips. And, yeah, you can see it from there, too. And, you know, this is Josh, also known as Yashu, episode 44, TLY Talks, signing off.